Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 15th. Upsets, upsets, upsets. That's the biggest storyline coming out of Thursday's play across the WTA and ATP tours. Now, I anticipated this might be the case and warned all of you tennis fans as much earlier in the week on this show. Simply put, it's week one of the 2023 grass court season. There is no transition across surfaces more severe, no transition across surfaces more difficult than the transition from clay court to grass court tennis. As such, it's not entirely shocking to see the totality of carnage across all of our singles draws of the top seeds. That said, Thursday was certainly an extreme example of the difficulty of transitioning between surfaces as we saw countless upsets across the board. Now, perhaps all the chaos we've seen this week best depicted in the Nottingham singles draw. You look at that WTA Tour event, not one, not one of the top eight seeds are still alive in the draw. It will be a guaranteed unseeded champion in Nottingham this week. Now, just because the seeds were knocked out doesn't mean we didn't see good tennis. And you know here at Crack Rackets, we relish in the chaos of a day like Thursday. Countless upsets across the board. Who was most impressive? Probably Elizabeth Mandlick, just given the scale of her task, taking on a Camilla Georgie who has had a ton of grass court success and just the heaviness of that ball. If you haven't seen it before, it's a tough thing to transition to facing. That said, boy, was I impressed by the young American who has just now been on a 12-month run, and I'll explain what I mean here on today's show. Mandelik, a three-set win over the seventh seed. You had Jody Burridge knocking out third-seeded Magda Lynette in straight sets, and Helena Kalanina knocked out in straight sets by qualifier Harriet Dart, and shout-out to Dart, who has made back-to-back quarterfinals now in Nottingham over the past two years. Again, none of the top eight seeds remaining in Nottingham, and perhaps through all those upsets, I didn't even mention the most impressive results, or certainly the best tennis we saw on the day in Nottingham. That was between Katie Bolter, Daria Sneeger. Now, Bolter ultimately won the match. I believe it's her third quarterfinal in Nottingham in her career. That said, I really like Sneeger's game. I really liked what I saw throughout the course of this match. So I want to talk Nottingham to start today's show. Obviously, we'll stick with the same script. We'll transition from there to the Netherlands. Things a little steadier on the women's side in the Netherlands. Your top two seeds still alive. Kuder Matova, Samsonova, they each won yesterday. Now, you did have a couple of seeds knocked out here on Thursday. Katie McNally knocked out in three sets, but perhaps most pressingly, Bianca Andreescu, she had nine set points in the first set. She ultimately drops a straight set match. Want to talk about those two upsets. Talk about Ecat, who I thought looked really impressive. Uh, uh, not really impressive, but I thought looked disciplined, I suppose. I'll just, we'll get into Ecat's match. We'll talk about my fellow Wolverine, Amina Bechtis. She's into her first tour level quarterfinal. Talk about all of the action on the WTA tour side of things. Of course, on the men's side, Talk about chaos. Top seeds at both of your tour-level events. Knocked out on the day. Daniil Medvedev, a three-set loss to Adrian Manorino. Stefano Tsitsipas, three-set loss to Richard Gasquet. Is this the best day in French men's tennis history? And 
I don't know, three, four, five years. Some scholars are arguing probably not, but good day for French men's tennis, and we can talk about the mechanics of each of those upsets. I thought the best thing I saw today across the board, just a classic grass court tennis match. Tommy Paul, Jan Leonard Struff. Struff ultimately 6-6 six and six over the American. Yes, that qualifies as an upset, but again, that's the best thing I saw all day. So we'll talk about all the ATP Tour action, break down those two challenger events I've had my eyes on in Nottingham, Puerto Rico as well. That's the agenda here on today's show. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you listeners. We're so grateful. And of course, as always, we ask, like, rate, subscribe, review. We want to hear your thoughts thoughts, share them, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show, social media at Cracked Rackets on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can message me directly at A.L. Gruskin. Shout out to all of you for your continued response, for your continued passion and enthusiasm for this show. It means the world to us, as does the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal, so I'll keep it brief today. Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right. Let's talk through all of Thursday's results. Let's start in Nottingham on the women's side. Again, none of the seeds remain. And I was pretty extensive in my review of this tournament in the intro. Again, it's the funkiest tournament we have on the week. Let's rapid fire through the results we saw on the day. It starts with American Elizabeth Mandelik. She qualified as the top seed into the main draw here. She's now into her first quarterfinal at the WTA Tour level of her career. It's been a rock-solid season for Elizabeth Mandlick, who right now at number 110 coming into the week, that was a career high, but obviously in reaching her first quarterfinal, she's now up to a new career high, number 96. Welcome to the top 100 for the 22-year-old American. 18-17 and 17 overall on the year, 36-29 and 29 overall over her last 52 weeks doesn't sound extraordinary, but where are those results coming? She got in as a lucky loser, winning two matches in Australian Open qualifying earlier this year. She wins a match in the main draw of Indian Wells. She reaches the final of a 125K, wins three qualifying matches at Roland Garros to get into the main draw before getting knocked out by three sets in the first round, uh, in three sets in the first round. She's doing it the hard way. She's come through qualifying this week. Three-set win over Daria Sneeger, who obviously played a really impressive first-round match herself. And, you know, again, now to get this three-set victory over Camilla Georgie, obviously best victory thus far for Mandelik in her career. And you look for her now to her level again, her first quarter final. She reached a round of 16 in San Jose last year, got a good win over Ali Risk. Beat Ali Risk again at Indian Wells earlier this year. Beat Jill Teichman in San Jose qualifying. But again, the top 100 scalps are few and far between for the 22-year-old. And I mentioned this earlier in the week. The explosiveness is there. When she has time to load on a forehand, and yes, the backswing's a little bit bigger, but she can explode through that ball so well. She gets outside the ball really well. The backhand is technically, again, the one I think people will fall in love with more easily just because the backswing is so compact. She drives through the ball so well cross-court. She's looked comfortable moving on this surface as well. And look, this match was played at Camilla Georgie's pace. There were a lot of unforced errors, a lot of first or second ball rips from Georgie that either, that ended the point one way or another. But 
Credit to Elizabeth Mandelik, who weathered the storm. That's now three consecutive three-set victories. Again, over three, I would argue, pretty impressive players in Sneaker, Tomova, and Georgie. I'm jump. I'm not fully on. You know, again, if you're asking me, Mandelik or Kruger, I'll take the serve of Kruger, the weapons of Kruger, the size of Kruger in terms of the upside moving forward. Not to compare the two, but if you're asking me, will Elizabeth Mandelik also be in the top 100 throughout the course of her career? Absolutely. She's too athletic. She's too fluid. And she just competes extraordinarily well. I don't think she knows what the plan A pattern is. Now, she's great hitting ad side forehands, inside out, inside out, inside in. And with her technique, that's maybe the most natural pattern. And I'm not saying she doesn't know that because, of course, she does. But the most natural pattern doesn't necessarily mean it's the best pattern. And I think, you know, while the weaponry is so obvious for Kruger— the athleticism of Mandelik is as well, and that's what makes her upside so intriguing. Is I'm still, I'm very certain we haven't seen the best of the 22-year-olds tennis yet. And you know, again, first WTA quarterfinal, top 100 debut, she knocks out Camilla Georgie in three sets. So impressive stuff. And now it's a wide-open draw. You look for Elizabeth Mandelik going to take on Alize Cornet. Obviously, Cornet far more experienced player. And, you know, for Mandelik, she's going to have to play back-to-back. Cornet's gotten a day off since beating Sakari. It's not going to be easy for Alizé Cornet to hurt Elizabeth Mandelik. She's going to have time on that forehand wing. I mean, as much time as a grass court offers. But, again, even on the first serve, it's going to be difficult for Cornet to just pick on that Mandelik forehand backswing. 76% 76% favorite is Cornet. If you're a ga- I mean, I'm staying away from Nottingham this week if I'm a gambler because none of the seeds are left. It's been chaos. But Mandlick would be an interesting underdog to back on quarterfinal Friday. That said, again, Mandlick, three set winner. Jody Barrage, three, uh, excuse me, straight set win, 7 5 6 3 over Magda Lynette. You look for the now 24 year old from Great Britain and the story in Nottingham, not only the upsets, but the success of the Brits this week in Nottingham by reaching uh, the quarterfinals here uh, for Burridge. Excuse me. She reaches her first quarterfinal of her career as well. She came into the week ranked number 131 with this result. She's up, or excuse me, holding at number 138. I mean, look, how could she be holding? What points did she lose from last year? This is going to be interesting. Last year, she made round of 16 in Eastbourne. I see in those. And round of 16 in Nottingham as well. Well, look, that speaks to the track record of grass court success. And, you know, again, for the Brits, it was a trio of them. Jody Burridge, Heather Watson, 4-4 uh, four and four over Tatiana Maria yesterday. Harriet Dart, flawless in a six-love first set over Angelina Kalanina, who just never looked like she was comfortable on her footing, sliced way more forehands than you're accustomed to seeing when she's on a hard court, when she's on a clay court, and moving comfortably. And God, Harriet Dart was striking the ball beautifully. Now, credit to Kalanina, who stepped in, who stepped up in set number two. Dart was excellent. I I really like the game of Harriet Dart, who, again, back-to-back quarterfinals for her. Dart currently sitting at 131 is the 26-year-old. 
I'm not saying she's going to be a top 25 player in the world, but if you tell me Harriet Dart has like a six-month run that gets her up to number 60 in the world and then has a season where with that confidence, with the physicality, she's able to, you know, again, have success on quicker indoor courts, maybe in February, maybe in September and October to help build this run that she makes a top 50 at some point in her career. I mean, when you watch her on this surface, you know, five straight set victories, qualifying all the way now through to the quarterfinals. She just strikes the ball so well. The backhand technique is so simple. The forehand, she extends through it so well. When Harriet Dart plays like she did today against Angelina Kalina, you just can't believe she hasn't been a top 50 player in her career. And then shout out to Katie Bolter. Again, the other Brit. Four Brits in the quarterfinals. And by the way, there's only one Brit on Brit matchup. Dart versus Bolter. That's a shame because... Again, Katie Bolter into her third Nottingham quarterfinal, five and three over Sneaker. Sneaker wallops the ball. And yeah, the forehand technique is not what scholars would call aesthetically traditional nor compact. But God, when she gets a clean rip on that forehand ball, it just flies through the court. The backhand's so easy for Sneaker. But Katie Bolter was so disciplined today. Everything went to the Sneaker forehand corner. Again, your quarterfinal matchups. It was unexpected, but it's going to be a fun home stretch. Maybe, again, the mo- are the least predictable. Excuse me, Cornet taking on Mandelik, Burridge versus Freak, Watson versus Gullibic, Dart versus Bolter. According to Tennis Abstract, Cornet a 27.6% favorite, Bolter 25.24.2, Gullibic 19.5, Magdalena Freak 10.9. Buckle your seatbelts. We'll see how things end up in Nottingham. That said, let's move over now to the Netherlands. Again, site of an ATP and WTA event here this week. We'll start on the women's side of things. We did see a couple of upsets, most notably Bianca Andreescu. Nine set points. Serve forward up 5-3 in the first. Set points in the breaker as well. Nine set points did Andrescu have. But look, credit to her opponent here today. I thought, if nothing else, to uh, Runkatsova's credit, she was swinging. Oh, my God. That uh, In the second set, she had the to get the break back. She, or Excuse me, to get the break, the outside the alley forehand down. Or I think it was to get the break back. Excuse me, the outside the alley forehand down the line uh, on the full sprint pass was just gorgeous. And look, much like Sneeger, it's a big forehand backswing, but gosh, can Hrunkatsova just absolutely annihilate the ball? And I mean, look, credit to the 25-year-old who's obviously been ranked as high as number 27 in the world. We, we've seen this level from her before. Nine first set points, nine of them. It just feels like I do think Andrescu's in better shape than maybe she's been ever in her career since all these injuries have occurred. I do think there are still flashes where she'll take a backhand or a forehand return up the line and follow that into the net, hit the volley cross court so perfectly, and you're like, yeah, that's one of four players on tour who can do that and make it look so comfortable. And then the errors filter in, and then, you know, again, there's sloppy second serves or, you know, ill-advised slices that just hang on her. And you look for Bianca Andreescu today in terms of the serving performance. She made 64% of her first serve. She was broken just three times in this match. The return serve just never got going for her here today. And, you know, again, that's a credit, uh, in my opinion, to 
to, excuse me, Hrun uh, Kutsova, who just lights out. I don't know how else to say it. Absolutely lights out. She just went down swinging today. And so credit to her. That's your biggest upset. Credit to Celine Knopf, the wild card from Switzerland after the dramatic three-set victory from a set and a breakdown over Venus Williams. She follows it up from a set down, three-set win over eighth-seeded Katie McNally. She's into her first WTA Tour-level quarterfinal. And, you know, again, 17 years old, currently 166 in the WTA rankings. Is she the highest-ranked player under 18 right now? No, that's the crazy part. She's third. You've got Mira Andriva at 101. Brenda Fruvertova at 134. By the way, both of those players just turned 16. Celine Neff about to turn 18. Still 166 in the world. Third highest ranked under 18-year-old in the world. Helps to make your first quarterfinal along the way. She's just a fighter. I mean, she's played two opponents in McNally in Venus who were trying to hit the big first forehand, who were looking to move forward whenever possible. Neff did a great job absorbing those first strikes. Just... Again, she's competed. I know that's such an artificial and non-quantifiable thing, but it's every point. There's just – and maybe it's the youthful naivete. She doesn't quit on the ball, and when she gets her hands on the ball, she is strong enough to just do enough with it to extend a rally, make you uncomfortable. I thought Selena was excellent today in her three-set win over McNally. Uh, Of course, you're on the bottom half of the draw, your other two winners. Shout out to my girl, Amina Bektis, who I call her my girl. Do I know her that well? We've met. I like to think if I saw Amina Bektis and she's – all right. I don't like to think. If I saw Amina Bektis and she saw me, she would say Alex Gruskin. I would say, hello, Amina Bektis. I don't think she would actually say Alex Gruskin. But I definitely would say, hello, Amina Bektis. Um, And then she'd say, hey, what's up? Um, Anyways, shout out to her. First WTA Tour-level quarterfinal of her career for the former University of Michigan All-American to reach that accomplishment at 30 years old. Now reach uh, up to a new career high, number 149 in the live rankings. You're playing slam qualies at Wimbledon. You're playing slam qualies at the U.S. Open in singles. And, you know, Bechtis has had even more success on the doubles court throughout the course of her career. She's got weapons. She's comfortable moving forward. Makes sense that this happened on a grass court. And look, she's got her toughest challenge to date as she's going to take down Ekaterina Alexandrova. Now, Alexandrova did not play particularly well in her victory, 6-4-7-6 over Kimberly Burrell. Now, Burrell did a great Muguruza impression, holding the baseline, using her length to take the ball early on the rise and you know beat Alexandrova at times to the spot. That said, Alexandrova's return was spraying throughout the course of this match. She was lights out in managing her serve. Didn't face a break point. Yes, only made 55% of her first serves, but won 89% of her first serve points. It was, again, a really well-managed match for the 28-year-old. And hey, you look for ECAT right now. She's sitting quietly, uh, just very quietly. Alexandrova, 26 in the rankings. You know, again, in terms of points she has to defend last year on the grass court, she won this event. So obviously this is a big week for her. But she's another one who, depending on what we see over the course of the next month, is she going to sneak into a top five contenders list come Wimbledon? No. Could she sneak onto a dark horse candidate to make the second week, maybe make the quarterfinals if we have the sort of grass court chaos that so frequently happens at Wimbledon across draws? Yeah. 
she's someone you'd circle to take advantage of that cast because she's so good on the front foot. That ball stays so low. She plays it so flat. She's comfortable moving forward. ECAT's one to watch for sure throughout the course of this grass court month. And, you know, again, it's a shame because she's going to be overshadowed certainly at this event. Um, Cooter, I mean, from a name perspective, just given the run Samsonova went on last summer and Cooter Matova being a WTA tour level, uh, WTA top 10 player in her career. But it's a fun two halves of the draw. Kuda Matova right now, 46.7% favorite to win the event. Samsonova, 22-3. Alexandrova, 18-6. Your quarterfinal matchups, Kuda Matova versus the teenager Neff. The teenager Kruger versus uh, formerly Victoria Kuzmova. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her new la- uh, her new last name, her married name, uh, her surname. No, married name. I'm sorry. It's it's late at night that I'm recording this. It's been a long day. Uh, Bectis versus Alexandrova. Sass maiden name. No, maiden name is her. Would be t- uh, Kuzmova. So I apologize. I I don't know her married name. I do recall her maiden name. Alexandrova versus Bectis. Sassanova versus Samsonova. Westoff, leave all of that in. That's your look at what's going on this week on the WTA Tour. Let's stick in the Netherlands as we kick off our ATP recap. Look, top seed, Stefano Tsitsipas, knocked out of the draw. That's your biggest storyline on the ATP side of things. Now, it would be a false accusation to say Tsitsipas played poorly. Tsitsipas had a million chances in this match. And look, to his credit, fought off 8 of 10 break points, won 76% of his first serve points, which, by the way, of course, with his serve, his forehand, his ability and success moving forward, he should do on grass courts. But I don't think he played poorly throughout the course of this match. And to me, again, credit to Richard Gasquet, win number 600 for the French veteran. Now, actually, hold that Gasquet thought for a second because I think the Tsitsipas loss is more important. Uh, and this, by the way, I think I mentioned uh, we'll stick in the Netherlands. I went over to Stuttgart. I apologize. That's going to happen from time to time. But we'll just stick here anyways. Look, for Stefano Tsitsipas, For me, the storyline was how many freaking chances he had throughout the course of this match. It just felt like every service game for Richard Gasquet was 30-all or 15-all, 30-all or 15-30. And, you know, Tsitsipas just wasn't able to secure the break. You look for him, obviously, set number one. He gets off to a quick break lead. And, you know, for Tsitsipas, he has the opportunity. He's got to look. What was it? I think it was in the... I want to say five all service game, no five six service game. Excuse me, where he had a look at thirty all uh, in Richard Gasquet's service game in the first set, and I wasn't able to convert there. But you look in the third set, obviously had what the thirty fifteen thirty and the break point chance in Gasquet's second service game of the set. He gets to thirty all again at the three all service game and has another break point. It felt like you know again. It just, uh, with how well he kept cruising through his service games, you felt like, okay, if he can get to a breaker or if he can just secure that one service break that he'll be able to pull through in the match. And that's a testament to how well he was serving. And, you know, again, for a guy who has struggled at Wimbledon throughout the course of his career, did make a grass court final at the ATP level last year, but... I thought Tsitsipas served well. I thought for a first match against a guy in Gasquet who's played as many grass courts as matches as anyone on tour, I didn't think it was a bad performance. Now, on the flip side, 
I thought Gasquet executed brilliantly. I mean, anytime he was in a tight spot, first serve was going to the backhand. First ball to the forehand to open things up. Next shot to the backhand to force Tsitsipas to hit that ball on the full sprint. That ball would be left short. From there, Gasquet, whether it's backhand down the line, forehand inside in, whatever it took to move in behind. Gasquet was excellent throughout the course of this match. And again, 600 tour-level victories. Fewer than 50 players in ATP Tour history have won 600 matches. And yet, you know, again, Hall of Fame versus Hall of Very Good. You look for Richard Gasquet in his career at the tour level. He's made what? 33 different finals in his career. I'm curious if Tennis Abstract includes a Davis Cup in there. I don't think they did. So 33 different finals. He made the Canada Masters final in 2006, lost to Fed, lost in the Hamburg Masters final to Fed in 05. Canada 2012 Masters final, he lost to Djokovic. Three Masters finals in his career. You look for him at the Grand Slam level. This is a guy who's made three semifinals, twice at Wimbledon, once at the U.S. Open. I mentioned the 33 finals at the ATP level, 16 titles. So, look, 16 titles, three Slam semifinals, three Masters finals, career high number seven, 600 total wins. That's the Hall of Very Good. It's not the Hall of Fame. And... What's so incredible is the longevity, is the fact that he's still sustaining this level, 55 in the world coming into the week, into another pro quarterfinal. I'm not trying to diminish what Richard Gasquet has accomplished. Just, again, some perspective for some of you. Given an accomplishment like this, I feel like that thought must have entered your head. But look, I mean, Ferrer, Ferrer's peak was higher. Burdich's peak was higher. I think Songa's peak was higher as well. I don't know if any of those guys are Hall of Famers from this era. And blame Federer, blame Djokovic, blame Nadal, who boxed so many of them out. I actually think Burdich has the best argument. He's won a Masters event, made a couple of slam finals. I think that's a discussion for a different time, given just the era he played in. Guess Gay's been really good. He's in. Uh, he was really good again today. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But, you know, again, Tsitsipas upset. He served well. He defended his serve well. He blinked in the 5-6 service game. And Gasquet hit a line to set up the match point. And to his credit, it wasn't hitting the line that ultimately won him the point. He hit the line. Tsitsipas left something short. Inside-out forehand, backhand down the line winner. Gasquet sets up match point. Tsitsipas, again, mishits or frames a forehand on the match point to seed the match to Gasquet. I'm not selling all of my Tsitsipas grass court stock yet. Do I think he's winning Wimbledon? No. His backhand return on this surface is just not where it needs to be for him to win this event at this point of his career. Do I think he's going to get guaranteed upset in the first three rounds? No. I'm not there yet because I do think he served extraordinarily well. And three out of five sets, just the physicality he brings. Who knows how this match plays out. That said, credit to Gasquet who gets the upset in Stuttgart, not the Netherlands. Other upset on the day, best match I saw on the day happened in Stuttgart. Jan Leonard Struff, 6-6 six six over Tommy Paul. Credit to Tommy, man. Struff was hitting bombs at Tommy Paul. First serves wide on the ad, uh, deuce side. First serves T on the ad side. Serving volley overhead. It was flawless for Struff. Tommy responded. Serving volleyed himself. He extended rallies. Dipped balls low, chipped and charged, just, 
you know, again, faced a match point down 5-6 in the third set uh, serving. Faced a match point down 4-6 serving in the breaker. Fought both of those match points off. Now Struff, ace point on set point in the first set, ace point on match point in the second. Struff was lights out on serve, but... Again, I'm, all this is is a continued buying of Jan Leonard Struff stock, who, again, with this run to the quarterfinals, 33 years old, career high, 21 in the rankings. This is a four-month, three-month, two-month, whatever it's been. We'll say two-and-a-half-month run. This is a two-and-a-half-month run. Not for the Hall of Fame. Well, I think there should be in a section in the Hall of Fame where it's like most, uh, you know, just for fun factoids or anecdotes, just like a book or an almanac of things like this where, hey, remember that two and a half month run where Jan Leonard Struff was a top 20 player in the world unequivocally? And you're like, oh, yeah, March to midway through June, maybe further in 2023. And Struff right now, 15th in the points race, has a legitimate shot at the ATP finals. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Again, Tommy played well, but it's the firepower of Struff. It works on clay. It works on grass. I think it's going to work on the hard courts as well. He's locked in. Six and six. It was a really fun match. Down a break early in the second before Struff got that break back and ultimately took that 4-3 lead in the second. Never gave it back. Gasquet, Struff. What is this? 2017? In Stuttgart this week, that's your top half quarterfinal. Of course, Hercots versus O'Connell set yesterday, as was Fritz Musetti, uh, excuse me, Tiafo Musetti, which is always a really fun match. The athleticism, the shot making on grass courts, that one's going to be funky. If you like size, if you like weapons, you like big hitting, Fritz, Fucevic, your final quarterfinal will be for you in Stuttgart. Alison Karts have played a really good first set. I thought he was the better player in the first. And credit to Taylor Fritz, who, again, managed to keep pace, came up with a couple of big first serves facing break points in that first set. Taylor Fritz ultimately 7-6-6-3 over Aslan Karatsev. I know this is such a simplistic breakdown, but just the heaviness of his ball. I said this at the start of the week in case you're just picking things up now. A lot of people were in on Claylor Fritz. I'm all in on Taylor on the grass. I just, the heaviness of his ball, his serve, and the fact that on this surface, you don't have to be a great volleyer. You just have to know what you're doing. And Taylor Fritz will never be a great volleyer. But to his credit, over his six years now of ATP tour play, he has gone from incompetent to knowing what he was doing at the net. And if you're in the right spot at the right time and can just place the volley well. You don't have to stick it. And he, he never sticks his volley. It floats to the right spot, but the key is it floats on this surface because of the difficulty recovering and playing on the sprint. It's slightly more okay that that volley floats. And again, Fritz hits the right volleys now, even if he doesn't always execute the volley perfectly. He hit a lot of the right volleys against Aslan Karatsev in this match. And so, again, it's going to be interesting to watch him play Fuchovic. Fuchovic, three sets over Ebing Wu. That was a, a Wu Ebing, excuse me. That was a really, really fun match. Wu Ebing's just a shot maker, man. You provide him pace, he's going to hand it right back to you. But, man, the physicality of Fuchovic, that's been the story of his career. 
throughout the course of his career, your Stuttgart quarterfinals heading into, again, quarterfinal Friday, duh, uh, but your Stuttgart quarterfinals, Gasgaver, Struff, Hercats O'Connell, Tiafo Musetti, Fucevic, Fritz. Right now, Hercats, 33.5% favorite. Obviously, he doesn't have any other seeds left in his section. Bottom half is loaded. Fritz, 25.3. Tiafo 17.3. Uh, obviously, Musetti... Got his first grass court tour level wins this week. Fucevic, track record. You're just never going to count him out in a match like this. It's a fun draw in Stuttgart. It'll be a fun one to monitor. And then, obviously, in the Netherlands, you had your top seed upset as well. Daniil Medvedev knocked out in three sets by Adrian Manorino. Look, it's a two-match skid for Medvedev, so perhaps there will be... I, I don't want to ascribe freakouts in tennis Twitter circles. I hate when people say, I, you know, people always say this about this, or people are freaking out about this, where it's like, actually, you saw one tweet, and now you're ascribing it to an entire tennis Twitter population, but I'm not in freakout mode over Medvedev. It was a steady match. Like, Manorino just moved the ball so well. He was so disciplined, uh, again, in changing direction and forcing Medvedev to not get in a rhythm from either wing, from punishing any Medvedev crap, dare I say, that was left short. Medvedev tried to pound the Manorino forehand, but Manorino moved it around the court too well. The set point exchange with, you know, Medvedev getting his racket on a couple of just out of his reach overheads, but managing so he can't hit it cleanly, but he gets the ball back over. Manorino finally finishing the point with a little short angle backhand pass. That was delightful. And, you know, again, it's the totality of things Adrian Manorino can do on this surface. You look for Manorino in his career on the ATP tour. Manorino is now 34 years old. He turns 35 in 13 days. That is, you know, again, sneaky. He doesn't feel 30. He's definitely over 30, but doesn't feel 35, right? Still 260 and 300 in his career at the tour level. He's 185 and 202 on hard courts. He's 16 and 56 on clay courts. Adrian Manorino, 59 and 42 on grass courts. He's the Albert Ramos Vinolas of the grass court season. This is his time to shine. It's another quarterfinal for him on this surface. Keep in mind, he won this event back in 2019. He made the semifinals of this event as recently as last season. It's Manorino's time to shine. I don't think Daniil Medvedev played poorly. I don't think he served particularly well. He only made 58% of his first serves. Manorino did a great job of punishing every second serve with depth. But Manorino's really good on this surface. And again, first match of the season on grass, three sets against a good grass court player. I'm not holding it against Medvedev. Other results on the day, pretty straightforward in the Netherlands. So we can kind of roll through this one. Greeks were rolled three and two over Popperin. God, is he a shot maker? Just strikes the ball so purely. And credit to Talon Griekspor. He sustained his spot in the top 50. He's been top 50 in the world now for 12 months consecutively. Dare I say 18 months consecutively. 37 in the world right now is the 26-year-old. That, folks, is making darn good money each and every season. You also had a three-set win for Alex Diemenauer, 6-1-6-7-6-3. Now, Laszlo Girard was horrible in the first set, just was a fish out of water on these grass courts. But, man, he started swinging. He started driving his backhand. He's just too fluid of an athlete to go down easily. Made the match physical. 
Demon's good on this surface. He's won a title on grass courts before as well. Three-set win over Jura to keep his campaign going. You look for Demon right now. Currently sitting, where is Alex? 18 in the rankings. Three off his career high as the 24-year-old. Obviously has a big chunk of points coming up, though, uh, on his resume, as we all remember last year when he won, uh, excuse me, the title in Atlanta. I don't know if we all remember it, but I remember it. So obviously points coming up in the summer. He's got those Acapulco points on his resume as well, but that's really doing the heavy lifting for Demon Hour this season. Would love to get a nice month here on the grass courts of surface. Again, he has had success on in the past. Your other result on the day, uh, Jordan Thompson ending the comeback for now of Milos Raonic, 7-6-6-1. Raonic kind of, after getting broken in the second set, you could just see things kind of fall apart, but Played a rock-solid first set. He's moving really well in his service games, finding first forehands. But, man, Thompson's physical. Thompson knew what to anticipate. Thompson did a great job of pressuring the Rayonic backhand wing and moving forward behind approaches to that side. Thompson played the match you need to play against Milos Rayonic. That's why he's through to the quarterfinals. You look for Jordan Thompson, now 29 years old, currently sitting at 96. Back into the top 100 with his result this week in the Netherlands. That's where things stand on the ATP Tour. Now, just quickly to talk about your challenger quarterfinals. Shout out Gab Diallo. He's going to be top 100. I've said it every day this week, so I'm not going to do it again. But three sets over Alex Mickelson. That match was an ATP Tour level match. Diallo going to play talented young Frenchman Arthur Cazot. You've got Kopfer versus Lofhagen. Borges versus Shimabakuru. And then how about this match? The big hitting Dom Stricker. He's made an ATP Tour level quarterfinal on grass. He'll take on Andy Murray. Those are two guys who can absolutely win not just a match, but matches, obviously in the case of Murray. But I think for Stricker as well, matches at Wimbledon this year. And then last, but certainly not least, uh, obviously fun action in Puerto Rico. Nishikori three-set win over Mitchell Kruger to continue his comeback campaign. He'll get another grind next as he takes on Tennessee's Adam Walton. How about Adam Walton? Maybe it's not Ben Shelton-esque from end of your college career to top 50 in a year, but end of his college career to top 225, Walton right now, uh, 228 in the points race, excuse me, and you look for Walton right now, ATP rankings, new career high, number 242 for Adam Walton following this challenger quarterfinal in Puerto Rico. So it's Nishikori Walton, Zhang versus Galarno, Draxel versus Vuk- Zukayev, and then Bernard Tomic going to take on qualifier Gustavo Heed. That's what you should be watching as we head towards quarterfinal Friday. Now, the other thing you should be watching is the USTA SoCal Pro Circuit. You've got the nexus of everything we love here at Cracked Rackets. Former or current collegiate stars ascending talents on both the men's and women's sides. We'll have coverage of those ITF 15K Pro events Saturday, Sunday, men's and women's singles, semifinals and finals, men's and women's doubles finals as well. Follow all the action for free on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Again, that starts. Thursday and would not be possible without the efforts of our super producer Daniel Westoff, who as always has a f- of an editing job to do day in day out a shout out to him a shout out as always to our dear friends at Tennis Point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world with that said for my fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff, my friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we said 
say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.